Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is hour two of Mornings Without Carmen for the 13th of December, except that that is an incorrect statement. It is a self-refuting statement because it's actually, as it turned out to be, Mornings with Carmen. As promised, we have Carmen LeBurge joining us. She was at grounds, not necessarily ground zero, but close to ground zero where the tornadoes wreak such havoc in the south. Good morning, Carmen. Good morning, Peter. Thanks for hosting this week. I really appreciate it. And it was God's providence, was it not? Because, uh, I don't have power where I am, so it would be a, a, a tremendous challenge to be on air this morning. It really would be. It sounds like you're actually in a different location to finish up your writing project because you don't have power where your normal home would be. Yeah, I drove um, I drove to a little house that we have uh, in the mountains in northeast Georgia. Mm. We're working on a writing project this week. And so, yeah, so we have um, a lot of trees down at our house and worked diligently over the weekend to not only – you know, make way from our house to our driveway, but others on our road get them out of their houses and have access to the road. And we're certainly hoping that power will be restored by the end of the week. Right, right, right. Well, and as you were reflecting on some of this, because you did experience a pretty significant devastation on your own property, property, even though you were just at, sort of tangentially related to the storms, you lost a bunch of trees and, and the power and all of that. But you had uh, some, some maybe encouragement from Romans for us this morning. Yeah. Um, certainly for the people in not only, you know, the, my community where I live in Tennessee, but um, maybe at a deeper level for folks in places like Mayfield, Kentucky, where their their entire town is shattered. Um, you know, I just want to remind people that creation groans with, le- with eager longing for man's redemption. So mm. I was reading in Romans chapter 8 these words, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. Creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in labor pains until now, and not only creation, but we ourselves just want to remind people that um, redemption is not just about people. It's about all creation, that, that the new heaven and the new earth uh, is a recognition that when we fell, creation fell with us, and now all creation groans with this eager longing for redemption. Oh, Carmen, I can't think of a better um, place to encourage us as we live in the second Advent, right? I mean, we had the first Advent, but we're still in Advent waiting for the return of the King to set all things right and, and restore not just his beautiful image bearers that he loves, but all of creation so that it magnifies his glory. Amen. Amen. I think that, um, you know, uh, when people are thinking about how to be praying, there's there's 22 churches um, that were in Mayfield, Kentucky. And so, you know, that's evidence that in a town of just a couple of thousand people, you know, Christ had had a very significant presence. And so uh, let's be not only praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ in these devastated communities, but let's be praying for the resurrection witness um, of the gospel. You know, there is, a, there is an opportunity here for the light of Christ to shine in new ways uh, in the midst of 
of this great grief and pain. Well, thanks for checking in this morning, Carmen. We'll uh, be with you as you're finishing up your project this week. I hope all goes well. Maybe check in again if you have a moment here in the rest of the week. But otherwise, I hope it's a great time and you get power back and things cleaned up. And, and really, as you said, can shine a light as you're doing those things. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks, brother, for uh, carrying the load this week. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Well, up next on Mornings Without Carmen now, we'll be joined by singer-songwriter Sarah Groves, one of my favorites. She's released a new album, album titled What Makes It through and in such a a difficult time of disruption and discouragement there are things that remain and sarah will talk about that with us next year on mornings without carmen It was a listener-supported ministry. We exist to lead people to Christ and nurture believers in their faith through Christ-centered media. And we can't do it without you on our team. Become a member of the Faith Radio support team today at MyFaithRadio.com and click on the Donate tab. Want to sponsor a day of on-air ministry? Become a day sponsor. When you do, we'll share your message honoring a loved one or celebrating a milestone on the air. Find out more at MyFaithRadio.com. I sure love the music of Sarah Grove. She just has an ability to hit the center of that note, but also uh, having known her for a number of years, uh, she really does seek after the heart of God as she brings music uh, to the table related to that heart of God. And we certainly were looking forward to chatting with her this morning. We still might as it relates to the release of her new album, What Makes It Through. But Sarah is in the Tennessee area, and this is right where uh, Carmen said that they lost a lot of power. Mm -hmm. So, Paul, we don't know for sure, actually, if we're going to get through and Zoom with her. We have a backup call, but uh, we don't know if she'll be able to join us this morning. I I don't think so, but it's... I've been listening to a little music of her new album. It's like, oh, could have been great to talk to her about it. Well, and especially now, because part of the heart of this album is to look back and remember. We so easily forget what what is important and what matters. And, And so when you look backwards, you often have a way to then walk forwards. And even related to Nashville, my son, Caleb, and I had a chance to do a road trip. He said, Dad, I'd really love to take a road trip with you. We, we could have gone to some of these concerts locally. You could have just built a snowman. Well, we could have just built a snowman together, but instead we spent 12 hours on the road to Nashville. And, and one of the things that we had a chance to do in Nashville that relates to this topic of uh, in, in these seasons where there's such disruption and, and a global pandemic and we don't really know what our lives are going to be moving forward in the midst of all of this, we had the opportunity on a Sunday night in Nashville to go to Ryman Auditorium. Mm. And I admit I am not the music aficionado that I should be. And so people kept uh, sort of wide-eyed saying, you're going to Ryman Auditorium? You're going?" And I, was, I thought maybe it was Ryland Auditorium. I didn't know what auditorium <laughs> was. I know, I know if all people were scandalized by this. You said this. that to people in Nashville. Uh, well, I didn't say it to people in Nashville because oh, okay. the people in Minnesota oh, oh, oh. corrected me enough before, yeah, oh, before I committed such an, such an atrocity. So Ryan You're not from around here, are you? That's exactly right. <laughs> so we, we went to what turns out to be the mother of the heart of country music. So many mm-hmm. artists have played there. And it's such an intimate gathering to go into Ryman. It's only about 2,500 people in this beautiful, ornate theater. And the concert that was there was Andrew Peterson's Behold the Lamb of God. And it's a tour he's been doing for about 22 years. Right. And, uh, and he brings on for the first half of the show a series of artists that are part of his whole organization. And they just sing this beautiful, anchored 
lovely uh, music set. And then they bring on uh, Andrew Peterson and the rest of the gang for the second half of the show, which is about 10 songs on the birth of Jesus. But the point of the story is before we got into the concert itself, Andrew came up front and it was it was fun to see him where he lives. It was sort of his native environment. So it, his metaphorical hair was let down, I suppose, as it okay. were. And and he was just really informal with with the crowd. And he stepped up and he said, well, as people are waiting in line and, and as uh, there's a lot of rain outside and we're trying to figure out everybody getting in, let, let's just sing a little bit. So he and his artist sang, but then he came up to the mic and he just started us a cappella with the first note of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. He just came up and went, Hark, I can't even hit the note, right? But but he started with Hark. And then from there, and of course, apparently everybody in Nashville can sing, <laughs> right? And and so the entire auditorium lit up a cappella with Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And Paul, I stood there in the back rows of the lower bowl of Ryman Auditorium and just began to weep. And And mm-hmm. the reason for that is I thought... So here's the deal. The whole world has been upended. The whole world has been disrupted by this global pandemic. And people are trying to get back. They're trying to scratch and claw backwards to some sense of normal, as if that normal was bringing us such great shalom in our hearts, right? Mm -hmm. As if it was so peaceful to live that frantic kind of crazy way of life. So many people were living living this unanchored way of life. And in the midst of all of that disruption to suddenly sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the newborn mm. king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled, this this incredible song and 2,500 voices strong singing in acapella. And, and as I stood there and wept, I thought, you know, we could have sang the song four years ago before the pandemic and it would have been true. And we could have sang the song 40 years ago and we could have sung it 400 years ago. Uh, we could have sung it 2,000 years ago with the angels and the shepherds of Hark the Herald Angels Sing and we could sing it 40 years from now and 40, 400 years from now. And it just struck me, the unshakability of God's kingdom in a world that has been entirely shook by so many things, 2,500 people in this auditorium singing about the unshakability of God's kingdom. It helped so much. And this is the heart of Sarah's album about going backwards to, to go forwards. It helps so much to remember, Oh, I know what this whole story is about. There's this kingdom that is unshakable. And this, this baby was born to us and created a government that rests on his shoulders. That's very different. And I think that's what we can lean into during this very disruptive time of year. I don't have anything more to add to that. That is amazing. Actually, when you were talking about that, I was thinking, okay, the carol, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Yeah. Do you know the backstory to that one? Uh, I don't know any of the backstory to okay, that one. Okay, well, yeah. Longfellow wrote the song. Okay. And it came out of the Civil War as he was looking at the devastation. And he, you hear the bells pealing, you know, peace on earth, goodwill to men. And yet, where's the peace, Longfellow was looking at, I mean, there's war, we're against each other, and yet he comes at the end looking back to Christ. Now hear the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. Mm. I mean, he had to dig deep in in the despair he was in to have some joy, some peace in the midst of all that. It, it, it's a very similar story to the way you're talking about. No, I love that story. I think it's such an important time of year to look back, as we look backwards at the birth of the king, to remember that unshakability of his kingdom that has been written about in so many different ways and the, the things that we sing this time of year. We'll step away and Paul and I will continue to reflect on this season, the Christmas season. We'd love for you and any of your reflections to join us as well at 877 877- Nine three three two four eight four. I see several of you have texted in. We would love to you for you to text in some of your thoughts about the importance of looking backwards to go forwards. And we'll step away and be back in just a moment.
Welcome back to Mornings with Carmen and Peter Kapsner filling in for today and for most of the rest of this week. And that is a song from Sarah Groves. We are sure hoping to talk with Sarah Groves herself. She's a friend of mine and an artist, and she's released a new album as well during this time of year. And does it, it sounds like we've been struggling to find Sarah. I know there's been a lot of power outage, but Paul, did we successfully locate Sarah? I actually am getting Sarah right now. You are? Okay, we're going to keep trying to... Well, she, to... no, she's there. She just needs to unmute herself. Oh. <laughs> Sarah? Sarah? Hi. There she is. Hey, Sarah, it's Peter Kapsner and Paul Perot at Faith Radio. How are you? Hey, good to hear you guys. I'm doing great. Thank you. Yeah. I hope I'm not late. Am well, I late? Yeah, about five, ten yeah. minutes late. Yeah. Sarah, in God's time and eternity, the veil, I know for somebody like you, the veil's really thin. You can't be bothered with the temporal realities <laughs> of this world. I mean, you live in e- eternality, sorry. Sarah. Come on. That's great they stuff. told me 7.30, so I thought I was super early. Oh, oh, well, you're, 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 well, you're killing it as early as you are. It's great to have you on the show. And, and uh, we were you. listening to some of your Christmas music that you released in 2019 as a family last night as we were celebrating Advent and having communion as a family. But you released a new album, too, called What Makes It Through, which is a reflection on kind of looking backwards and forwards. And we were, we were talking a bit about a time that I had this last weekend at Ryman Auditorium with Andrew Peterson's Behold the Lamb of God and, and just how amazing it was to sing Christmas carols as a reminder of where we've been moving forward. And some of that kind of thing is the heart of your new album. It is. It's about remembering and um, the way that memory shapes how how we can move forward in forgiveness. I think forgiveness is a big part of what we're doing right now. A lot of us, um, the the divisions that we're experiencing um, nationally crack right down to our kitchen tables. And um, yeah, so a moment like that, it is very powerful. And um, my, my husband's actually out on the road with that tour uh, representing the International Justice Mission. Yeah. And um, yeah, so that's, yeah, the record was inspired by a book that talks a lot about memory. It's a story. It's just a novel. And uh, it talks about memory and the way that we remember and, and um, yeah, and, and how we move towards each other or not. Well, take us into that theme a little bit more, Sarah, as well, because I think as you, you've rightly pointed out, uh, it hasn't always been this way among us in our country and as people and in churches among believers, just the division and strife that is present, the legitimate pain and, and sorrow we have inflicted upon one another. Christmas is nothing else than the picture of God becoming flesh for the purpose of forgiveness and reconciliation. So maybe kind of just swim around in that with us for a little bit about what motivated this album for you. Yeah, I think that that's, that's really the heart of it is that this is a reconciling gospel. If it is anything at all, it is, it is a reconciling gospel. And I, I think that I have found it in the last five, six years, I have really, I have strong opinions. I have um, convictions and um, a writer that I like says, we are what we abide. Um, So you think about, okay, how do I speak to my convictions without denigrating the person I'm talking to. And I think a lot of that has to do with um, just, yeah, kind of remembering our our story and our role in it. My mom says that we are all in the soup. She says that <laughs> often. And um, and we're, we have a very limited capacity to understand, you know, everything. And, um, and so, yeah, it, especially like in a song like um, Rendezvous, I'm just talking about, um, what does it mean? For, forgiveness is, uh, Desmond Tutu says, there's no future without forgiveness. And there's no no forgiveness without repentance. And repentance um, is really predicated on our telling ourselves an honest story about our own hearts and, and kind of the, that we're in this together. And 
Uh, and, and so that I think puts us in a different position uh, than, than maybe like one that where we want to win or one where we want to um, see the other person, you know, eat crow <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. Um, and so I, yeah, so I, but really a lot of these songs are my lament. So I, I tend to move towards, uh, you know, lament when I'm in conflict and things like that. And so this is me processing um, my relationships and, and um, yeah, how, how can we move forward and really love each other well? And how can I speak to um, your ideas without, without demonizing you and denigrating you as a person and, and, and kind of see our collective role in like, Hey, we're all, we're all in the soup here. You know, we all are um, trying to figure things out. And what does it look like then to be brothers and sisters in that context? Mm. Sarah, could you speak a bit more about the process of lament? I think it's a very underutilized resources within a resource within the kingdom community that God has given us. And I think it can replace, just continue to try to press in and, and be angry at somebody else. You can, you can lament legitimately the things without necessarily trying to crush the person in response. Yes. And I think that, um, it isn't something we practice a lot. Um, it's such a huge part of biblical narrative. It is such a, a major part of the Psalms and, and actually all biblical writing. Um, and I think if we don't tell the whole truth, um, the full bear witness to the full spectrum of not just what kind of like what's going well, if we don't lament and talk about, Hey, this, I have, I have a song on there called remains of the day, which is about someone very, very close to me who was literally just chewing up and spit out by in a church scenario, Mm. you know? And I just feel like we don't, I don't have to defend bad things. I don't have to defend indefensible things because I don't want, this, I, I can look at that and say, that was terrible <laughs> that mm. if I don't bear witness to the full spectrum of things and right now lights are, you know, being shown on all kinds, in all kinds of spaces um, and around racial reconciliation, and all kinds of places. And I think if we can't really uh, bear witness to the whole thing, then we lose credibility if we want to just kind of remain in this one space of saying um, really a kind of a, a a positivity that doesn't take into account the lament of, of our, you know, the, the weight of what we've done and, and those kinds of things, whether it's us individually or that we're part of, you know, a conversation. I just think that that, that humility is so important and, and lament brings about a, you just can't be proud in, in that, in that space. It's, it's just a, uh, it is a posture of humility. Yeah, Sarah, we're talking to Sarah Groves this morning in the release of her new album, What Makes It Through. It's 14th album, uh, first collection of original songs, it sounds like since 2015, Sarah. And uh, one more part, we just have a couple minutes left here that I'd love to to get into with you a little bit, is just the role that memory plays in forgiveness. Forgiveness is so hard. It is such a hard process. I think we just want to snap our fingers and everything would be fine. But how can you encourage us to just think about the role of memory as we try to reconcile with one another? Yeah, the the album was inspired by a book called The Very Giant and by Kazuo Ishiguro, who's one of my favorite literary fiction writers. And um, it's about a couple and they're moving. It's, it sort of has this um, mystical aspect to it. But there's there's a there's a mist over the land and they they it makes them forgetful. It's just symbolic of you know things, but they're forgetful. And then as they, they go on a journey. Um, they begin remembering each other. They remember all the ways that they've hurt each other, but then they also re- begin to remember 
why they love each other, why, why they're, the depth of their love is so profound. And I think that when we are vulnerable with each other, we do see the human being, you know, that we can look at each other and say, this life is hard. Mm. You know, I have good friends that, that, and I disagree with them profoundly, but I can, I just went to breakfast with a girlfriend. We see things very differently and we're telling very different stories right now. Um, but I look across the table at her and she's going through difficult things. And I think that that, the way that we um, see each other and remember ourselves and tell the truth. And Jeremiah said, the heart is dark. Who can know it? You mm-hmm. know, and that's the, you know, if I can kind of be honest about, Oh, I'm also motivated by fear and by comfort and by these things. I, I, I can see where you're coming from. Um, I also, you know, have, have questions, you know, and I, I just think that it would go a long way to our being the church actually, um, you know, operating in a way that was, um, that was healing and, and helpful. Um, so it, it is the way we remember each other. If we cast, you know, I've done this in my marriage. If I cast Troy and every, just kind of selectively remembering all these negative things. Um, but if I remember, Oh, look at what we've done. Look at mm. what we've been through and survived. There's a softening of the spirit when we're honest with ourselves about our own, you know, um, our own role in things. And then also uh, just that, it, that it's hard to be human. You know, this is what Jesus came to be acquainted with. Um, and, and it baffles me still that he wanted to do that. Um, but he came to be acquainted with our humanness mm. and to, to understand it. And um, uh, it obviously, I mean, to, to be with us in it. And um, so that, that to me is just a profound truth as we remember each other um god wants to be with us and that includes my neighbor that i don't like and he called me to love that person mm. well and um so yeah so it's i think memory and the, the stories we tell ourselves we have to we we have to be humble in that and and take a look at the possibility that maybe i didn't remember this right and um, I don't know if you've ever had that experience. My sisters and I remember things very differently yeah. in our even growing up. So yep. um, to be humble in that. Yeah. Now, Sarah, I think it's great. And I apologize for just the, the time mix up this morning and just had you for a brief time. But just love what you're bringing to the table here at this album, what makes it through, as well as your Christmas album. It's a favorite in our family. They released a couple of years ago. So thanks for taking the time. We'd love to catch up again for a longer period of time soon. Thank you. We'll take a short break and for some bottom of the hour news, and we'll be joined by Jeremiah Johnston in his book, Unleashing Peace, next on Mornings Without Carmen. Have a perfect passage of scripture to connect where we were with Sarah Groves and the importance of looking backwards for also where we're headed in just a minute with Jeremiah Johnston in his new book, Unleashing Peace and Shalom. It's from Jeremiah 616. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look and ask for those ancient paths and ask where the good way is. Walk in that and you will find rest for your souls. Unleashing peace and shalom with Jeremiah Johnson up next on Mornings Without Carmen. This is Max Lakato. The noise and the bustle began earlier than usual in the village. The owner of the inn had awakened earlier than most in town. After all, the inn was full. All the beds were taken. One's imagination is kindled thinking about the conversation of the innkeeper and his family. At the breakfast table, did anyone mention the arrival of the young couple the night before? 
Did anyone comment on the pregnancy of the girl on the donkey? There was nothing that novel about them. They were quite possibly one of several families turned away that night. No. It was doubtful that anyone mentioned the couple's arrival. They were too busy. The morning chores had to be done. There was too much to do to imagine that the impossible had occurred. God had entered the world as a baby. This is Max Lucado. Welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. This is Dr. Peter Kapsner filling in for today on the 13th of December and delighted to be joined at this time by Jeremiah Johnson, the founder of the Christian Thinker Society and the, the author of the new book, Unleashing Peace. You're going to want to queue up that text line because we have some books that we can give away, maybe three or four copies for those of you that want to enter into a drawing for that. So text the word book to 877 933 Again, the word book to 877 877- 933-2484. You'll get entered into a drawing to win a copy of this book from Jeremiah. Good morning, sir. Good morning. It's so great to be back with you. I have great memories of our conversations in the past, and it's awesome to be talking to you again. Thank yeah, you for, for sure. having me, Peter. Yeah, likewise, Jeremiah. It's just been a, it's been a fun journey. It's been fun to watch your work and see what you're doing from an apologetic standpoint to help people think critically about our faith. And now with this new book, Unleashing Peace, what an appropriate time for this, especially when there's so much lack of peace going on, not just in our world, but in our internal worlds uh, of our mental health and, and everything that we see. Before we get further into that, Jeremiah, in the book itself, why don't you just give us a working definition for the word shalom? What do we mean by this? Absolutely. It's so important that we understand that, you know, being a Christian is not a killjoy. Uh, <laughs> when, we, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ and we have peace with God through Jesus Christ, that's Romans 5.1, the Bible says repeatedly that we should experience the peace of God, and that is shalom. And it's so important we understand, Peter, that it's mentioned 550 times in Scripture. In fact, um, and I'm thinking about it in the way that the way in which Jesus would have thought about it in the first century world, Jesus in Judaica. Jesus, when you heard the word shalom, it would have been much different than the Greek concept, irene, which is a great word as well, but it simply just means absence of conflict, whereas shalom, that wonderful Hebrew word, um, that means something so much deeper. It means peace, of course. It means completeness, wholeness, lacking nothing. It means to flourish. And so there, there is this tension that we experience, Peter, as believers in Jesus Christ, and that we come to faith in Christ. We come to Christ in a moment. That's Romans 5.1. We have peace with God. And we need to make sure for everyone listening that no one has missed that step. We will not experience the God of peace or the peace of God until we have peace with God. So that is step one of experiencing shalom in our life. But there's this tension in that once we come to faith in Christ, life can be full of anxiety. Anxiety. Life is full of trouble. In fact, John sixteen thirty three. it's no surprise Jesus said, you're going to experience trouble, but be of good cheer. I am shalom. I have overcome the world. And so 
how do we get to this point of being a believer in Jesus Christ and yet experiencing this shalom, this flourishing, this completeness, this lacking nothing in our life? Because it's promised to us over and over again. The word shalom shows up more than the word grace, more than the word kessed. Uh, it, it's a power word in the scriptures. I think next to the name Jesus, there's no greater word in all of the Bible than this word shalom. And, you know, a Ph.D. knows a lot about a little. And I have a Ph.D. <laughs> in the Gospels. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and, and I just thought that this is an understudied, underdeveloped area in our Christian lives that God wants us to experience shalom. Mm-hmm. And it's way more than a greeting. It's translated 70 different ways in the NIV alone. Well, Jeremiah, as you're bringing this subject up and just hearkening back to something you said maybe a minute ago or so, that we won't experience the peace of God, or we should be experiencing the peace of God when we experience peace with God. And and this time of year, obviously, we're celebrating Christ, the newborn King, coming to bring peace, peace on earth, mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. This is so true. But why is it that we so often are so far from experiencing that actual shalom in our lives? I'm sure you've run into it a ton, Jeremiah, and I know have as well that people begin questioning, gosh, do I even have salvation? Did I lose myself? What, what's standing in the way from this abiding sense of shalom in our lives? Absolutely. <laughs> and Paul struggled with it too, Peter. I mean, this is where we have to really be great Christian thinkers, and we have to understand that where salvation happens in a moment, the transformation of shalom in our life is a process. And I want to mm. just speak grace to people right now. Uh, writing a book that was more than 60,000 words on the peace of God, I cannot tell you how it ministered to me. And the biggest thing that I want people to understand in reading my book, Unleashing Peace, is shalom is a discipline. It's not a talent. It's not a spiritual gift. But Peter, we can both agree on the authority of God's almighty word. It is the will of God for every single person who follows Jesus to have the peace of God. We don't have to question him. God doesn't want you to live in conflict. God doesn't want you to live in a truce. God wants you to live in peace. And it's so important that we understand it's a discipline and it's hard to get there. And so, Peter, you know, you're a Christian thinker. That's why I love talking to you on these programs. We have to get Christians past the bumper sticker theology, Mm. past the quick hot take on social media to the substantive answer of what it really takes to live in the peace of God. And it's a, it's a discipline we have to develop. And the cool thing is we can get there, but it's Paul struggled with it. So listen, if you're struggling with it, Paul struggled, struggled with it. Go read second Corinthians Bible students. And you can see that 12 different times Paul uses the word trouble. And so if Paul had trouble, by golly, I know I'm going to have trouble in my Christian life, but Paul figured it out. And he figured it out in probably the greatest anti-anxiety passage in all the Bible in Philippians chapter 4, especially in Philippians 4, 8. And I hope maybe we can dig into that in this, in this interview. Yeah, let's do that in just a minute, Jeremiah. We're going to step away, and when we come back, let's do just that. Maybe we can talk about that Philippians 4 passage in light of some of even your own circumstances where God brought peace into some really difficult times as well. We're talking with Jeremiah Johnston in his book, Unleashing Peace, this morning. And you can participate as well. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484 to get entered into a drawing for one of three or four copies that we have to give away. Stay with us. More with Jeremiah Johnson up next. For hate is strong and marks the song Of peace on earth, goodwill to men But the bell ringing 
Well, the texts are coming in fast and furious, as they should, as part of Jeremiah Johnson's new book, Unleashing Peace, Experiencing God's Shalom in Your Pursuit for Happiness. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484 to get entered into a drawing for one of three or four copies we have to give away. And Jeremiah, before the break, you're taking us a little bit into Philippians 4 in this sort of penultimate passage where Paul talks about the peace of God. So remind our listeners of that passage and what you see in that. Absolutely. In my book, Unleashing Peace, we're discussing what it means to live in the shalom of God. It's a discipline. It's not a talent. It's not a spiritual gift, but it is God's will for me to live in his peace. So often, though, like you said, like you said, Peter, we struggle to get there. We struggle to find it. And Paul struggled to find it. And I want you all to think about this for a moment. Let's just take Paul for our example. Paul saw the Lord, we can say specifically four different times. He heard the Lord's voice in 2 Corinthians 12. That's when he literally said, no, Paul, my grace is sufficient. My answer to your prayer is no. So he heard the verse, the voice of the Lord, we can literally say in oracular terms, he actually heard the voice of Jesus. We can speculate he may have seen the Lord three additional times. So where am I going with this? Paul saw the Lord at least four times maybe seven times, he heard the voice of Jesus, and he still was a professional warrior who had to figure <laughs> out the anxiety in his life. In Second Corinthians chapter 2, Paul had this great open door of ministry in Troas. And Peter, my, my heart goes there because I can think about times in my own life where God opened a great door of ministry for me, but I had too much anxiety. Mm. I didn't take the step of faith I needed to take. And Paul said, even though God had opened up a door, the Lord had opened up a door for ministry for him. This is Second Corinthians 2.13 in Troas. He, he had no peace of mind. It literally says, I have no peace of mind. And he went on, and it's interesting, he goes on to Philippi. Seven years later, Paul writes the book of Philippians from prison, and he writes the greatest anti-anxiety passage in all of the Bible in Philippians chapter 4. Friends, I don't know how he does this, but he, he obviously would have been a scholar in the Hebrew Scriptures. In Philippians 4.8, depending on which translation you read, it's 32 words in the, in the NIV, it's 39 words in the CSV, where he says there are certain things we have to put in our minds if we're going to have the peace of God. And those 32 words or 39 words, they are anchored by one verb, and it is the word legizomai, think. Mm. And so Paul is getting at, it took him seven years to figure out the anxiety in his life, if you follow the chronology, but he came down to, it's all about what I think about. That is how I'm going to experience shalom. And he starts with the first thing, and it's called truth. And Peter, if I may, I'm a big practical guy. I'd like to share a big practical takeaway of my book, Unleashing Peace, if that's okay with yeah, you. Yeah, I would love it. That'd be great. Uh, what, do, what did I learn writing? And, and this book covers all kinds of interesting things. Like, uh, you know, we, we don't probably don't have time today, but my favorite chapter in the book is what do I do if I can't feel my faith? Mm. That's, you know, we live in such a feelings-driven culture. And so I wanted to answer that and speak to that. There are other really cool chapters in the book. But the biggest takeaway, the big idea of this book is... Peter, you and I, we both had educational plans in our life. You've got a great PhD from the University of Edinburgh. We both have ministry plans in our life. A lot of our listeners have financial plans. A lot of our listeners have life insurance plans, five-year plans, 10-year plans. Why don't you get a plan for shalom in your life? 
Mm-hmm. That's one of the biggest takeaways. If you do not plan for shalom, if you do not plan for the peace of God in your life, it's not just going to happen automatically. And so we re- I really help you practically in this book understand the biblical concept of shalom, that it is God's will for you to live in shalom. And, hey, don't feel bad. Even Paul had to figure it out. It was 30 years after his conversion, by the way. He finally writes Philippians and gives us this great passage where he he somehow encapsules Habakkuk 3, Matthew 6, and Psalm 37 all in one verse in Philippians 4.8. It's powerful. But he, he built a shalom plan for his life. And so if there are certain things that I'm going to have to rid my mind of, that's Philippians 4, 6, and then fill my mind with, that's Philippians 4, 8. That's called building a plan for peace, for shalom, for first for myself and for my family. And that is a really key element. When you start intentionally planning for the peace of God in your life, it is going to happen, and it gets really exciting. I'm talking with Jeremiah Johnston about his book, Unleashing Peace. Again, one more time, you can text the word book to studio at 877-933-2484. And Jeremiah, those last comments you kind of slayed me with, I got to I gotta admit, because you're right, we make so many different kinds of plans in life, and, and understandably so. Those, those impulses are not necessarily wrong. But I can't remember the last time I sat down and said, you know what, Capsner, you're worried about, let's see, a, B, C, D, E, F, G, right. just like the entire alphabet of worry. What's the plan yes. to head to Shalom? And, and it sounds like your book can just, I think one of the things I, I find, Jeremiah, is that we have sort of these passing nods to different ideas in Scripture that right. matter, but then we go back to our other life. Like, how do we get beyond the passing nod and actually start making this plan? That's so important. So, that, again, I'm a big pra- – and, again, you're, you're not alone. I, I finished the book as the <laughs> author, okay? And then I had to literally ask myself – I remember I was traveling somewhere. I texted my wife said, I'm going to do a better job bringing a shalom plan to our family. So you're talking to the author right now. <laughs> and I wrote this book for myself. I wanted to go deeper in the peace of God. I wanted to get past the bumper sticker theology. And I like how you just worded it, kind of these head nods of, oh, yeah, I know peace that passes understanding. But I'm like, okay – how do I get there? I have five kids. I have triplets who are five years old. I haven't slept in five years. You know, like I, 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 we all have just the, the busy stresses of life. And it's interesting then, practically speaking, there are things that we have to eliminate from our life if we're going to have a shalom plan. And then there are things, there are values that we're going to have to certain, we're going to certainly want to put more emphasis on. And we give a lot of practical steps in the book. I mean, there's practical things I could throw at you right now that are going to steal your peace as a Christian. And if you're obsessively checking the news every two seconds, you're living in panic. You're not living in the peace of God. Hmm. If, you know, if you're not checking your sources, if you're doom scrolling, you know, you know, doom scrolling, there is a reason that the these social media apps are a bottomless pit. It just takes you negative. So very important. Another thing too is the worst, the absolute worst punishment that a human being can have, Peter, is to be isolated. And you think about how isolated people are right now. And so when I plan my shalom plan, you better believe that should include exercise, getting out of the house. Hey, the cheapest therapy you and I could do today is jog two miles for what it does for our brain. I mean, literally, it does the same thing that a therapy session could do, just jogging two miles for what it releases in our brain. We talk about that in some of, some of that in my book. Get out into nature. You know, another, another great piece of advice if you're going to live in shalom, if you're going to have the peace of God, 
please don't make big decisions in your life when you're exhausted and when you haven't when you haven't rested properly. The world just doesn't seem right when you're not sleeping. And so I want to mm. encourage people. You know, these are just little practical steps. And then we talk about how I can bolt my life to truth. If Paul says. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, we have to know how to bolt our life to truth. Jeremiah, I could catch up with you for hours in this, so I appreciate it. I know. It went way too fast, Peter. Your questions are too good. Well, it's super fun (laughs) to catch up, and I so appreciate the book. Again, one last time, the book is Unleashing Peace from Jeremiah Johnson. Get involved in the drawing at 877-933-2484 with the word book, or just simply go buy the book. It is worth it for a sense of peace. Jeremiah, looking forward to the next time when we can catch up again. Yeah, Peter, thanks so much for having me on. A Merry Christmas to you, brother. Thanks again. Yeah, you too. We'll take a short break and wrap up our show here for the 13th of December on Mornings with Carmen. Well, that wasn't not fun talking with Jeremiah Johnson. I mean, I can't think of a better person to talk to, but just the way he thinks about all these things scripturally and invites us practically into peace, Paul. Well, he uh, is part of the Amer- uh, what is it, the Christian Thinkers Society, so yeah. he's helping you think. Yeah, it's the last time I'm going to talk with him in life, though. He's far too convicting for me. Oh, for well, that. That. that plan is shalom. It is what we celebrate this time of year. Peace on earth, shalom on earth, and mercy mild. God and sinners have been reconciled. That is the good news of the unshakability of God's permanent and eternal kingdom. It is what we participate in every day as part of the Faith Radio family. So glad to be with you. We will catch you again bright and early tomorrow morning on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.